Hello, everybody, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I have Ralph Peterson with me today. You go, the Ralph Peterson? Yes, the Ralph Peterson. No, no, he writes, he wrote this book called Congratulations, Get Over Yourself. He is a management guru. He is, maybe he's the management whisperer. Maybe that's what I need to call him, the management whisperer. Because I'm telling you, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. He coaches managers. If you're a CEO, if you're a manager, if even if you're an employee, if, if you have to deal with people, what you're going to learn from Ralph today is how to better deal with people, be a better leader, be a better manager. Because let's face it, sometimes when you're managing people, it's like herding cats. And if you've ever tried to herd cats, maybe you haven't, but if you've ever tried to herd cats, well, it's a little rough, right? But let's do what we always do to start our show. And so let's get things started with, well, I don't know, checking in with ourselves, but let's try this. All right, let's get this thing started. All right, let's check in with the four areas of your life. So let's check in with the four areas of your life. I know something new, right? Threw that in, just had to do that. So, four areas of your life, because I believe we're four-part people. We're physical people, mental people, emotional people, and spiritual people. And so, let's check in with every area, right? On a scale of one to ten, one being it's awful, and ten being it's as good as it gets. Let's talk about where you're at physically. On that scale of one to ten, where are you at? All right, you got the number? Okay. So, what are you, you going to do about it? How are you going to change it? Like, if you're a three, I'm not asking you to get to a ten, because that's just, that's ridiculous. We can't do that. But if you're physically a three right now, why are you a three, first of all? Okay, I mean, is it because you're not taking care of yourself, you're not eating right, maybe maybe you didn't get your flu shot and now you're getting sick, or maybe you're not doing things because the weather's starting to change and you're just not feeling good. What are you going to do right now? What are you going to do today, right now, to change yourself to get from a three to maybe a 3.5? What are you going to do? Are you going to take a walk? Are you going to change your eating habits? Are you going to put down the chips? that you're munching on right now at your desk? What are you going to do right now to change what you're doing? All right? And then going forward, what are you going to do? How are you going to stay committed to doing that? It's all about intention, by the way. You know, if you're intentionally doing these things, this is how this is how we make change, is that we, we, we don't talk about an intention. We actually commit a behavior. And then once we commit that behavior, then we stay with it over and over and over again. Maybe it's just saying no. Let's be honest here. Since Thanksgiving, we've all probably ate a little bit more than we should have. Sometimes you just have to say no. Sometimes you just have to put the fork down. It's, it's really, really, that's just what we have to do is put the fork down and say no. Maybe that's what you need to physically. All right, let's move on. Mentally, what are you doing? What are you at scale? One to 10 mentally, one being miserable, 10 being great. Mentally, what are you doing to expand your mind, right? And let's keep in mind that your mind, right? Our brain is two halves. It's right and left, right? The right's the creative side. The left is our logical side, right? What are you doing to enhance that part of your life? And where are you at in that scale, right? Are you reading something new? Well, you're listening to this show. So that's, that's a plus because, you know, this show is about helping you expand your mind. Right, so just just listening to this show is should get you up a little bit further than you were today. So that's good. But what are you going to do? Maybe you're going to pick up and learn a new instrument. Maybe you're going to take up a new hobby that's going to expand your mind and help both sides of your brain, the creative and the logical side. What are you going to do right now? What are you going to do to change wherever you're at and make that better? 
All right, let's move on emotionally. And some people get confused what I mean when I say emotionally. Well, what I mean emotionally is how well are you able to control your emotions? Like, do the little things tick you off? I mean, we're right in the middle of holiday shopping, right? Everybody is, right? And, you know, you're trying to get there because you feel like you have a little bit of time. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. How well are you able to control that? Or did you just give a gesture with your hand right now as you're flying down the road, right? That's emotional control. It's emotional intelligence. The better we are to control our emotions, the stronger we are. And as we're going to learn from Ralph later on in the show here is that, you know what? Emotional practice is going to be so stinking important when it comes to managing people because the better we are in touch with our emotions, being able to better relate, not take things so personal, right? And be able to have some emotional strength, right? Because, and that's intention, the better we are to manage other people. All right, so where are you at emotionally? All right, finally, the last piece, spiritually. And and what do I mean by spiritually? What I mean is, what do you connect out to outside of yourself that gives you a sense of peace? Some people connect to nature. Some people, it's God. And I know some people will say, well, I don't believe in God. Okay, well, I promise you, maybe you run. And that connection of running, you know, gives you a sense of peace and allows you to put your mind at rest. That may, may very well be. Maybe it's something else. Right? But I promise you that there's something that you can't explain with science, that you can't explain in any other way. Maybe it's karma that you believe in. That what happens is that you that gives you a sense of hope. It gives you a sense of faith. It gives you a sense of peace or a sense of joy. And if, if it is, in fact, God, okay, then, then I ask you, you know, how is that going? Right? I mean, how are you doing spiritually? And what can you do better in that scale of 1 to 10? What can you do better? Well, I'm going to tell you, our next guest, Ralph Peterson, is going to help us, I, I promise you, in at least three of the four directions, if not all four. Ralph Peterson, what can I say about Ralph Peterson? Well, Ralph is an author of three books. He's an internationally syndicated columnist, an examiner uh, for the Quality Awards through the American Healthcare Association. He's a board member for the National Speakers Association, which, by the way, as a member of the National Speakers Association, you know I say this every time, hire him. Would you, would you just hire him? He's a speaker. Hire him. He's with the NSA. Hire him. He's going to be great. He's also a member of the Marathon Maniac Running Group and a proud member of the United States Marine Corps. He says retired, but as we all know, there's no such thing as a retired Marine. He's just not doing that exactly the way he should, but he'd be ready to go at any time. Just give him a call. Uh, Ralph helps organizations create systems in which first-time managers as well as more seasoned managers are able to work together in a way that is conducive to the success of the organization. He is consulted uh, consulted to a wide variety of industries, large and small. He always brings to the table a practical approach, sound advice, a great, great sense of, of humor. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ralph Peterson. Ralph, welcome to A New Direction. Thank you so much. That's quite the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... And, and just, so, just, so, just to get it out there, as a former Marine, what we are is I'm just as mean. I'm just not as lean. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just not in the shape, right? I still have all the, the grit and attitude that all the good Marines have. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Ralph, by the way, is brought to us today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors, partners with business owners and when it's time to sell their business. And here it is, when it's time to sell your business. If you are if you own a business and you want to sell, I'm just telling you the best people in the world are at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. 
you need to call them, right? And by the way, want to know how to get to them? Just go to nline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. If you're at some point, you're going to need these services, you might as well go with the most experienced people who have the highest rate of success. I'm telling you, they're amazing. Just go to www.enlign.com. That's nline.com. Jeff Snell, owner, and his associates will do a fabulous job for you. And we are so grateful that they are sponsoring Ralph Peterson and his book. Congratulations. Now get over yourself. Uh, Ralph, so let's talk about this book. Uh, The greatest title ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, and, and I want I want to call you tape face is what I want to call you. Uh, if people don't remember, I think it was American Idol or uh, was it American Idol or America's Got Talent, one of those shows. I had a comedian called Tape Face who had a black piece of uh, of tape over his mouth and he did comedy. And you you it actually is your face with the tape over the top of it. And. You, but the the cover is just brilliant. I love the cover. It's fun. It's it's kitschy and it it's intriguing. But the book itself, once once I moved past the fun of the book, I found the book to even be more fun than the cover. Believe it or not, and I do believe it. That's wonderful. <laughs> and so <laughs> the full title, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, you can get this on Amazon. Full titles: Congratulations! Exclamation point. Now get over yourself. Confessions of a Management Development Coach, and it's available on Kindle and also paperback. Uh, make sure you go to Amazon to pick that up because uh, it's a great book. And I'm sure that if you contact Ralph, if you go to ralphpeterson.com, you can actually contact him. He'd be happy to send you a book and actually sign it for you. And you can do it that way as Absolutely. well. Is that true, Ralph? Did I make that? Absolutely. Of okay. course. Yeah, we're doing a big promotion right now. So oh, don't just buy one. Buy one for everyone you know. It's yeah, Christmas. I mean, it's Christmas, people. <laughs> you, it's Christmas, everybody. I mean, you got to know somebody who wants a book. Right, and especially somebody who wants a book that's this good, that is actually going to help people and help people manage and understand people better, and that's it's what I found uh, great about the book. So, Ralph, let's talk about managing people in the book. Congratulations! Now get over yourself. So, the first thing I want to say to you is, I loved this book because every chapter of the book is a story. And each story could have stood on its own, and you could have probably developed a book out of whatever the lesson was at the end of the story. I was convinced of that. Sure. But what I loved was how you so crisply and cleanly brought me in to the book, where I was standing right next to you in every situation, in every story. And I was, I kept saying to myself, oh, he's going to do this. Don't, no, tell him this. Tell him, this is what you need to tell him. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and then, of course, you, having done this for over 20 years and managing people had so much better advice than what I had. You know, I mean, it, it, what you had was better than what I had. And it was just, it was really, really great because I found myself going, wow, I need to, I need to practice that and, and do that. So why is management so hard? Well, because the re- the number one reason that management is so hard, and I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you, is because it's so personal. Mm-hmm. We always think that it's business. It's not personal. It's just business. Whoever has said that has never been punched in the throat by a ninety pound housekeeper. Has never call- been called names by their staff. Has never had 
their tires, you know, like uh, um, uh, flattened or their key car keyed or people to be very aggressive with them and, and spread rumors and lies about them. Cause that's what happens to managers who have to have difficult conversations with difficult people. So super personal. Yes. And yet, you know, one of the things in your book you talked about, and I love this one chapter, I, I'm, I'm going to mix the chapter numbers up, but you'll know the story is there is a, there is a chapter where you hired a young man who had been out of the management game for about six months and had not managed. And he comes back in, you hire him back as a manager in a pretty tough situation. And there's kind of this bully employee who's been around for a long time and bullies him and he takes it personal. And mm -hmm. you, you said, and this is what I thought, he, he says to you, I'm out of practice. And I, I never thought about management being practiced, but it's not the practice necessarily of managing, it's the practice of dealing with his own emotions is that did i miss that point nope you're absolutely right and the, ch the the chapter's called sweet emotion and one thing that one of the greatest things about leadership one of the greatest things about management is it is a learnable skill no matter where you are right now if you've never been put in charge of anything your whole life you can still learn how to become an effective manager and that's good news mm -hmm. but the the tough part about that is you can to this guy's point you can fall out of practice. You can forget what it's like because it can be gut-wrenching. Mm. That's how we feel our emotions, by the way, in our gut. That's why we're, a lot of us are emotional eaters because we're feeding the one place that's so cramped up with emotions. It's our gut. And he really, he, the story is simply that I had a tough building with a tough staff. And this guy I've known and worked with in the past, I knew him to be a, a firm and strong, take no nonsense kind of manager. And I liked it. I needed that in this facility. And he got there and he immediately got mulled over by the toughest staff. And I was shocked. And then when I, when I approached him about it, he was just as shocked. And so it was this big aha moment that we both had. They're both like, Oh, you can get out of practice with this, can't you? Oh my gosh! Right. And that's how we we uncovered this truth that emotional intelligence is not only is, a, is it a huge skill that you need in, in in leadership, but it's one that you need to constantly be working on. You can get really good at having difficult conversations with people, and then if you don't do it for a while. And then all of a sudden you have to, oh my God, it creeps right back up and your stomach's all twisting in knots and you're not sure about your next words and it can be daunting. So absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm a, with the psycho psychological background that I have, I am always intrigued by emotion and how it plays a role in our business or our career and our life and trying to separate out that personal, the personal emotion from my job right because you, you probably like you as a consultant what happens is or a coach to CEOs or whatever they can come they can come at you really really hard and you your fight I fight at least all the time going you know what don't take this personally he's just coming at you because of everything that's happening in his job and it's it is a skill that you have to constantly be working on that it's not personal 
This is just a response to whatever is going on. And sometimes it's not even related to the business at hand. And, and keeping that in mind can be very tricky because they can, they, it's almost like when somebody attacks you, it's, it, it feels personal and it's hard to separate that. Right. Sometimes it is personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, you really are. You really are speaking to the dichotomy of leadership and the, the old saying about eating crow. Nobody likes to eat crow, right? So the whole, the whole premise behind the turn of phrase, you know, go eat some crow or I have to eat crow is that it's the worst tasting foul, you know, bird out there or whatever. Yeah. So and nobody ever wants to eat crow. But in management, I was just saying this yesterday. I was doing a, a, a leadership workshop at the New Hampshire State Prison of all places, and which is a really great group of group of uh, leaders. The, what I wish sometimes, and and I know a lot of managers feel this way, although we may not always say it. I want to slam a door. I want to throw a temper tantrum. I want to throw myself on the floor. I want to curse. I want to be belligerent. I want to not care. I want to give it. I sometimes don't want to act like the bigger person, but that's not leadership. Leadership is even when the person across from you is losing their mind, you are supposed to not lose yours. Right. And to let things go and to choose your battles. And we can hang on every word. Oh, did you just call me a name or did you just curse or did you just, like, oh, we got to weed through that. Just weed through and get to the heart of it. Let's make sure we're putting that person back on trail, back on path. We're, right. we're still managing. We're still in charge. I, I, I think management is incredibly difficult. I, 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 I like, probably like most everybody who's listening or watching the show right now and watching and listening, I have probably failed. I feel like I've failed more frequently when it comes to managing people than I've actually been successful. Although I feel like I'm more successful now. Maybe it's because I remember my losses because I hate to lose so much. <laughs> uh, but I have, I, I remember being in charge as a young man on the farm. I was in charge of a detasseling crew. And my job was to manage people and I was young and it was very difficult for people to respect my management style. It was just, it, to, not my style, but to respect me as a manager because here I was, you know, younger than many of the people I was supposedly in charge of the crew of. And it was, it was a very difficult task. I, I mean, it wound up being fine at the end. That wasn't like I got fired or anything like that. I, I just did what you, one of your employees did. I just cleaned up after everybody. Is <laughs> 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 that, that, I mean, literally that's how I ended up managing the detasting crew was to stay after everybody went home. I stayed in the field and went through and cleaned up their tassels at the end of the day. And did all, did all their work. That's good. That's good. That's the opposite of managing, but um, that's, to, it's, listen, that is, that is textbook everybody starts out that way. You know what I find? Cause I work with a lot of brand new first time managers. A lot of people, just like you're saying, they're 25 and the average age of the staff is 45. Right. And they're like, you know, they're not going to listen to me. I mean, they're way much older. What you find in those conversations are two things. Number one, most of the time us young people, we're the ones who have the problem, not the older person. The older person, generally, I know a lot of 45, 50, 60 year old people who look at their manager and go, I don't want your job ever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to take it from you. I don't want it. I, you know, 
they're totally fine with you being in charge because you being in charge means you are responsible. So that's number two. Number one is usually we're the ones who have the problem with the person who's the youngest who's feeling that, that uncomfortableness, that's you. And number two, the reason you're in charge is because if you could change the word in charge to being responsible, you are responsible, mm-hmm. whole new challenge, it opens everything up. And so even your conversations with people are now like, I'm just checking because I'm responsible. I'm just asking because, you know, it's all on me later at the end of the day. I'm just making sure because I don't want to be on the hook. Right. So you change your words and it will change your whole approach. We're talking with Ralph Peterson. He's author of the book called Congratulations, Get Over Yourself. Yeah. Confessions of a Management Development Coach. The book is available on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and also paperback versions. And he is being brought to us today by Enline Business and Brokers. Enline Business Brokers and Advisors have helped literally thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses. When it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Enline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can learn more about Enline by going to www.enlign.com. That's www.enlign.com. Uh, check out the folks over there, and they're bringing you Ralph Peterson, and also congratulations. Now get over yourself and a new direction. Ralph, there was there was one chapter, well, actually two chapters. Well, I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> There's one chapter. Now, there was, there was the back-to-back chapters that caught my eye, and I couldn't wait to get to them because I read the book in order. I was going to jump ahead because they caught my eye because it's such a hot topic. And here are the two chapters. One is Millennials Don't Suck, and then which is chapter 13. And then chapter 14 was Millennials Don't Suck, Their Parents Do. And, <laughs> I mean, look, folks, I mean, I'm not making this up, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Re- I'm just telling you it's great reading. Let me tell you the eye-opener because I have – and I'm, I'm saying this because I really am hoping – people who are listening and watching to the show, I'm really hoping they will understand that millennials don't suck because I have been preaching this since day one, since people have started talking about how millennials feel like they're so entitled and how they're not very good workers and, you know, they don't understand responsibility and this whole thing. But then you had the same moment I had and that is, well, I'll just let you tell them. Go ahead and go through your moment that you had about how millennials don't suck. Well, so it goes back, actually, it goes way back to when I first had my first real job. And I'm not, you know, I'm talking like a full time, you're working, this is going to be your life, 40 hours a week, working construction. I had a boss named Frank Gabary, and he hated me. He hated me. He yelled at me every day and almost thought he made stuff up to yell at me. He <laughs> truly, truly couldn't stand me. Every time I, could, I was never fast enough. I was never good enough. I, you know, if I, it was a hot day, I sat down, he would chew me out for sitting down. If I was three minutes, if I took three minutes in a portal, I'd forget it. My day was over. He <laughs> hated me. And I remember I remember him sending me to his truck one day and I was maybe working for him for a month at this point. And in the front seat of his truck, I went to get something. It was a brick. It was a plaque. Somebody had got him a brick. We did masonry work. So somebody had gotten him a brick with a, with a bronze plaque attached to the brick. 
and it was from the last job site he was on and it called him the number one ball buster. <laughs> this is way before Jeff Foxworthy, but there was my sign, right? Like this guy was truly just not the best person to work for. So fast forward, you know, a hundred years and I start managing people and I'm like, Oh my God, he, these people are completely unmanageable. Everybody's all over the place. So hard to stay on top of people because if you turn your back for a second, they'll, they'll be off doing whatever they're, they're going to be doing. So Frank breaks his hip and I work in long-term care, mostly in, in healthcare. He breaks his hip and he goes into, I hear that he's in rehab in a nursing home. This is just recently, a couple of years ago. So I decide to go see him. So I stop in and, you know, so, Oh my God, I've been seeing him forever. I said, how's he doing? We're sitting in front of the nurse's station in the nursing home and we witness a millennial and a, a nursing supervisor and the nursing supervisor is in her forties. She's my age. And the millennial is, you know, between the ages of, I don't know, 28, maybe 30 years old, not very old. And the millennial is giving the, the, the supervisor all kinds of a hard time. And so I look at Frank and I go millennials, and Frank goes, you were the same way. That's when it dawned on me. <laughs> when, you, when I go back and I think about how was I as an employee at 18, let's, let's, let's knock these things off. Let's see if you can call this what people say millennials are. I felt entitled. I, I was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they should be grateful I showed up. Yes. I thought I knew everything. Yes. I even, and this is so, <laughs> so... I even had an electronic game with me when I was 18. I had the Mattel football game. Oh, yeah. I would play that thing. It drove everybody crazy, especially Frank. So seeing millennials now with their phones, Frank is right. I was the same way. Right. Here's the difference. Frank, that, that millennial, the employee who was on her cell phone and, and giving everybody attitude would not have been on her cell phone and would not have been giving anybody attitude if Frank was the nurse manager. Right. Right. It's not millennials. It's not our staff. It's not the kids growing up nowadays. It's the way that we treat them. It's what we allow them to get, get away with. Right. Managers today, and I'm, I'm going to make a blanket statement, and I, and I know it's a blanket statement, so don't, not everybody fits in this. But managers today, a lot of managers today, find themselves overworked because they don't delegate, Mm. because they'd rather do it themselves Mm. than to have that one-on-one conversation, than to get out of their office and constantly confront people. Management is about confronting people. Management is not just walking into your building or into your job or into your office and everybody just does what they're supposed to do. That's not managing. Managing is when you walk into the facility and you have to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and you find them not doing it. And you have to redirect and change and re-educate and re-in-service and even sometimes discipline and write up. Those are management traits. Those are management skills. It's a, management is a verb. It's active and it's gut-wrenching sometimes and it's painful frank would never you would never say that oh there's that's millennials nowadays if frank was the manager ever right right yeah i listen i and when i read that chapter because i have been preaching this uh, I, I feel sometimes like i'm preaching to the choir 
but because nobody's well actually because i don't feel like anybody's listening actually sometimes when i say this <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we we forgot i mean i feel like we've gotten so old we forgot how bad we really were or we or we miss attribute how bad we really were <laughs> as i mean if i'm if i'm being really honest with myself as a teenage worker as a farmhand right i was a farmhand my parents didn't own a farm i lived in a farming community of a little over 100 people and it was just expected when you were a boy a little boy you know nine ten years old you were going to go work on somebody's farm and i i can't imagine how bad i really was Right, and I recently um, I have a I have a book coming out called Lessons from the Farm, and and I talked to the farmer I worked for, and I remember Bob Lillydahl, the farmer I worked for most of my life growing up, said to me, he goes, you know, we you really weren't getting all that much done. He said I was really just doing this for you, <laughs> and, I, and when I read that, when I read your chapter on millennials don't suck i was reminded of that conversation he just recently had with me within the last year of saying the truth was you really we really weren't accomplishing anything is i was just paying you because i felt like you needed to to work and i felt like you even if it was a little that you were getting something out of it and and i i had to really think when i when i read your chapter i was like yeah you know i i, I wasn't all that great of a worker. I, I worked in spurts at times. Sometimes I was a really good worker, but I would say probably at least 50% of the time, I really wasn't a great worker, right? I, I like to think I was this amazing worker, but I probably wasn't. And then, you know, if I'm being really honest with myself, now I'm frustrated, and I think managers in general, this is what you're saying, is managers in general are frustrated with the younger generation, but they've forgotten you you were that same person you you couldn't have been a great worker at 18 because you were dealing with all the same stuff that they were dealing with except now they've got more technology yeah not only that but one of the things that we struggle with in the organizations that i that i do some consulting with when it comes to leadership training is something that wasn't seen in the late 80s, early 90s, certainly not in the industry that I was working in then to where as opposed to now is we don't let our managers make any decisions. Mm. And because we tell, and the reason we don't want them to make any decisions is because errors can be costly and it's too expensive for some of our managers to make mistakes. And so we want everything to go through us. I want every decision to go through us. That, that lack of empowerment, really takes away the ownership of the manager to even try. And a lot of times the managers are just like, you know what? I mean, I, I can't make a decision anyway. Not that they would make a smart one because obviously they're brand new. They wouldn't always make the smartest choice. But that's how we grow into leadership is by making both good and bad decisions and seeing the consequence of both and going from there. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges we face nowadays in training managers is we don't let them fail. There's no failure rate that we're comfortable with. But to your point, it, I was, Frank had, I think, eight 18 year olds, and we always wanted to fight with each other. Sometimes we'd gang up and fight with other crews. Right. You know, like we were a mess. Right, yeah. We were a mess full of, you know, yeah. all no. kinds of testosterone and attitude. And oh, yeah. it's hard. You ever been around a group of 18 year old boys? 
It's not easy. No, I, I, I got no. It wasn't. I, I, rem, I was rebellious. <laughs> I'm going to be the be, be completely honest. I was rebellious. I, Me I, too. I, Me too. Yeah, I, was... I hated everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking with Ralph Peterson. He's author of the book. Congratulations! Now get over yourself. Confessions of a Management Development Coach. Fabulous book, folks. Please go to Amazon. Order order several copies. First of all. I'm going to just tell you, you're going to enjoy the read. Even if you're not in management, you're just going to enjoy this read. This is, I'm, I, this is a, these these are stories. These are 27 stories, really, that just jump off the page. Will uh, bring you, will draw you in, and they will teach you lessons that are so valuable, not just to managing other people, but I'm telling you, managing yourself in life and. And you're already hearing several of the things that Ralph has been talking about here on A New Direction. Ralph, one of the, I'm, I'm going to, I want, I want to talk about it. I'm not going to, but I, I have to tell you though, the chapter after that millennials don't suck, their parents do, is, is that, now that one's a little bit different when parents get involved, <laughs> you know, their, their son or daughter is at work. And here they are, twenty some odd years old. I okay. Now I'm gonna just go ahead and do it. I can hear you. I can hear you on. The, I can hear you on the phone. Here is this young man who works for you. He's probably 21, 20, 21, 22 years old. He's living with his mom. You evidently, you evidently were trying to correct his behavior or give him some instruction. The young he, man. He was coming in late. He was coming yeah, in. Late. He was coming late, and evidently the yeah. young man goes to his mom. <laughs> And has to have has, has has to have said, Mom, Mom, Ralph was yelling at me, and for being late, blah blah blah. And Mom calls. <laughs> you can't make this story. Up. I, I mean, couldn't believe it either. His, his mom, mom calls you on the phone. Yeah, she was quite upset that I had disciplined her child for being late. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Tell the conversation because it's it's too funny. <laughs> well, it just it just came out where he he had he, I had written him up for being late as I do everyone, right. and the reason is because just keep in mind from a management point of view, and this is a this is a thing that I constantly have to reiterate, especially to my new managers. Allowing one employee to get away with everything hurts the morale of all employees. Right. Right. So you might hurt the feelings of one employee because you have to be a little tougher and gruffer with them. But the consequence of not doing that is the whole team loses. Right. So we have to, we have to keep that in mind. So I have conversations. I say, you have to be on time. You have to be on time. I'm not going to tell you again. Tomorrow's going to be a write up. Of course he's late again. So I write him up and it's not an hour. He is not out of the building an hour when his mother calls and she is, she's very upset. Apparently she's his ride. And, you know, it's on her that he's late. And I try to explain nicely that it's not on her that he's late because she doesn't work for me. I'm not asking her anything. It's him. So whatever he has to do to manage her, great. But that's not that's not my issue. My issue is that I just need to get him in the building. One of the best things about this is the books came out November 6th. And it just got number one status on Amazon. So I'm super super happy and blessed with everybody who's given, given me support. So I appreciate all that. But a friend of mine's mother read the book and she, she wrote to me, this is the perfect parenting book. This is what all parents need. To read. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's no longer a management 101 book. She yeah. says, no, 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 this is a parenting book. And so I like that there's that double <laughs> crossover. That's it. Well, I, I have to tell you, when I read the story, and I'm, I, I, I'm reading the story, I'm laughing out loud in front of, there's people around me, and I'm laughing hysterically out loud because you're describing yourself leaning back in the chair, wanting to say a hundred different things to cut to cut Katie, quote unquote, Katie off. Okay. That's and, right. And, and you're wanting, you're <laughs> wanting, and I'm like going, oh, come on, man. Tell me you're going to go, listen, lady, you know, I don't know how old your kid is, but it's about time, <laughs> right? I mean, may, may, maybe we need yeah. to wean him a little bit. You know, that's what I'm waiting for you to say. And uh, instead you do this so you know, so brilliantly, so gently, and and I think there is the lesson too in that story about you know millennials don't suck their parents do, is that it is so easy for us to just go with our reaction, cut mom off, right in this case Katie, cut her off, espouse your own opinion, and instead you didn't. Instead you kind of you kind of let it you let her go through it, but. You came up with a solution that maybe didn't please her, and maybe didn't please the employee, but one that was not going to create even more chaos. He was on time the next day. Yeah, yeah. Which is my only goal. Like, you know, it, it's so funny that where where you're putting the focus because I I completely agree. It's, it's it's accurate to put the focus here. I wanted to lose my mind. I want to be impatient. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes I want to slam a door. Sometimes I want to, you know, throw a tantrum. But the truth is, it's never about me. Right. Congratulations. You're in charge. That is awesome. First thing, get over yourself. Right. Because going forward, every problem that comes your way, every decision you have to make, everybody you're dealing with, is they're not thinking about you. Right. Ever. Right. 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 Yeah, I, I it, it was, it, it, every chapter is great, by the way. It's just, they're absolutely fantastic. So, all right, let's, let's talk about another management piece because you kind of alluded to it and then I, I got, I was so focused on doing this millennial thing because it was so important yeah. to me. So one of the things you say is empowerment, but then at the same time you talk about micromanagement right the four letter word of management micro yeah. oh no yeah so so um yeah the four letter word of micro <laughs> that's funny that is funny it took a second okay did i tell you i was like going yeah no there's five five no my, <laughs> micro is five management is like seven or eight and that, no that maybe it's nine. It's Isn't the that four letter like, word of management, management. yeah, yeah uh, got uh, it uh, I, I, that's that's actually really great. That's that's awesome. To it's take, the curse word. It's, it's, it's the curse word of management. Yeah, you, you, how yeah. dare you say that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how do we how do we balance that? Because I heard you talk about empowerment, but I also know that micromanagement is also important. How do we balance those two, or is there a balance, or are we talking about two different things? I, we are we are talking about two two different things, and and quite honestly micromanagement is you it, the word micro shouldn't even be in there. It doesn't belong there. I think if there was some way to do some history and I haven't done the research, 
But I think I would I would bet that the first people to come up with the turn of phrase micromanaging were employees who were complaining about a manager who was trying to make sure they were getting their stuff done. In some, in some alternate universe, it has switched. I don't know how or why or when, but now I hear managers say, I don't want to micromanage people. And I'll say, what does that mean? And someone will say, I just want to hire the right person and have them come in and do their job. I was like, you mean you want to buy a machine and put it in the corner and let it make widgets for you without needing oil? Because that's the only way you're ever going to get this. I'm not going to. I just want to hire the right person. and They just do what they're supposed to be doing. Good luck. That never happens. Instead, we have to manage people. And you know what's funny is on the flip side of this. I never talk to staff. I, I am a management. I am a manager's manager. I raise managers. I only generally only talk to people who are already in charge or they have made steps to be in charge. But that's my audience. So I don't generally talk to staff. But when I sometimes get cornered and I will sometimes get cornered, sure. they'll always want to know one thing. This is the employee. How do we make more money? And I try to I try to be clear, wow. but I have to be quiet about it because if it's all about that sugar coating because they don't like to hear it. But here's the answer. You want to make more money? Get closer to the radio. Stop needing so much management. Right. That's how you do it. If I need to check up on you 18 times a day, that's expensive. Right. Managers are expensive. Right. I'm going to check up. Every manager should check on their staff a minimum four times a day. It's, it's, in my world, it's unheard of to not check in with your staff at a minimum of four times a day. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't make sense. You're not going to get the productivity. Your, your staff are not going to be able to problem solve as well as you are. They're not going to have the, the ability to make decisions as well as you are. Without your assistance, your staff really can't get their job done. And if they can, then you have become very ineffective in your leadership position. Mm. So checking in constantly, constantly with your staff. Now, if you're on top of your staff, so much so that it's becoming a nuisance, yeah. then I would say, okay, then maybe we need to back off a little bit. Maybe we can redirect. Maybe there's a fit factor, but it's generally never because the manager is micromanaging. It's usually just simply that managers need to manage. But managers nowadays don't want to micromanage, meaning they just don't want to manage. They want you to come and do what you're supposed to be doing, and I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to do anything. I just want the title. I want the pay. Mm. I want the glory. I want right. to be able to keep my cape because all managers want to be heroes. Right. It's important. And, uh, and you just do what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm going to be over here in the office getting my level up on Candy Crush. Is Candy Crush still a thing? I don't know if it's still a thing. I know it still exists. <laughs> I, I sadly have to admit that it is on my phone. And uh, I have... I have busted a lot of managers playing Candy Crush. Yeah, I, well, I, I, my, usually I play it when I'm on the plane, when I'm traveling somewhere. That's if I, if I play it. That's usually where I'm playing it. Is I'm on a plane somewhere, just, just you know, doing buying time, uh, just taking up time. I I got to tell you something that I as somebody who is a coach to CEOs and managers. What I loved about this book, and I, I feel like if you are in consulting or you're a coach, I really do believe that this is a great book for you as well, by the way, as consultants. So consultants, coaches who are listening to this show, 
you could really do yourself a favor by really picking up this book called Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself, Confessions of a Management Development Coach because I it got me outside of my executive coaching role to take a look beyond that person that I'm directly coaching, looking at the managers underneath the CEO and starting to look beyond them and what they're doing because I was start, I started to figure out that my managers were causing my CEO's problem. So here my CEO is managing, trying to manage all these managers, right? And of this, of this particular uh, corporation, the managers aren't doing their job or they're, or they're not managing their managers, which in, in turn means that all of a sudden the tail wags the dog, right? Because then all of a sudden the employees are just doing whatever and nothing's getting accomplished. And I found this book to be one of those books that was actually very helpful to me as a consultant to go, I need to re, I need to relook at this again because I, and, and, and it, because I, I, what happened was I got so focused on one thing, I stopped looking at what was contributing to the problem. I stopped looking at the other sets of dominoes and what was happening in one particular situation I was dealing with. And it was, it, that's why I found the book to be so enlightening for me. I, I, you start the book and I don't mean to bring this up in a bad way, but I believe this is probably one of the last conversations you had with your father and is how you start the book. And your dad says what he's going to miss most is the aha moments. And I have, I found this book to be so full of those because your dad said, Ralphie, you need to write a book on aha moments. And I, and I felt like that was just a perfect description of this book was that every chapter I read, it was aha. Oh yeah. Right. It was one of those moments. And I really appreciated you doing that because, uh, you, you accomplished what your dad suggested that you do. And you did that. And, and I want to congratulate you on that because it's, it's, it's beautifully done. Absolutely beautifully done. Wow. Thank you very much. I, um, to give you a little more, just a quick backstory about that. I am, um, I have been writing stories since I was eight years old. I have wanted to be a writer my whole life. I love making up stories. I love reading. I love the craft. I love sucking you in in one sentence. I want to get you involved. I work so hard just on the story development. And when you're, when you're starting out writing, and it, especially when you're young and, and you're trying to figure out, the one thing that you really need to figure out is your voice. Like what, what A, are you going to talk about? B, how are you going to say it? I'm a big dialogue. So as you know from reading, I, I like to start most of everything with dialogue. I like, I like, you, I like inviting the reader right into the conversation right off the bat. And so I was struggling with that for a long time. And of course, talking to my dad about it a lot about how to find your voice and how to write and what to write about. At the same time, my dad and I would, I remember my dad, he's in the ICU and he just had a heart attack. And so he's not doing the best. And I ha I'm there with him and I, and I get a call from one of my managers. I'm a district manager of this management training company and I have 10 managers who work for me and I, and I got to take this call. And my dad's like, just take the call, take the call. And so I take the call and my dad, who's been sick for days, is now sitting up and he's, he's trying, he's leaning as close as possible to hear every nuance of my conversation. And as soon as I hang up, he's like, did you think of this? And, you know, you can't always rely this on the staff and the managers have got to be. And he just was so, he loved the, the challenge right. of 
discovering what, how, how do you manage better and how, what is the right decision? And he, he was always a big, you got to take the staff into account. You can't just mow over them. He was just big, big hearted when it came to that. And so I'm just getting all emotional over the, over the, uh, the, that last time when he said, you know what you need, you know what, you know what I'm going to miss the most is uh, I'm going to miss these conversations is what he was saying. I'm going to miss this, this banter, this back and forth, this discovery. Right. And, and, and that's what you should write about. You should write about all this. Right. And you did. And by, by the way, that you did. Yeah, I mean, you, you absolutely did. I, I, what I found brilliant about the book, as well as you started with your dad, you ended with your mom. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just, it, it, it does. It starts with your dad. And then, you know, it, <laughs> I can hear myself being all excited about my, you know, I'm going to be foreman of the detasseling crew or the, you know, the being walking crew and telling my mom, you know, oh, mom, guess what? Bob's going to, Bob's going to have me be in charge of the crew and blah, blah. And, and I wanted her to be all excited. Right. And, and I, I started thinking, about you know your mom had difficulties with managers because she she grew up you know in tough circumstances and managers weren't very good to her they held her job over her head and so she didn't she was always taken advantage of right always right her and, job was always being threatened right. by managers right at a time yeah. at a time when jobs were fewer and far between and and it was more difficult for somebody who didn't have an education to get a job at yeah. least a decent paying job and so here you are going to be an, a manager and you did not get the response that you wanted from your mom. She was not happy. No. <laughs> I should have said, Mom, I just got arrested. I mean, she would have been just as unhappy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Good news. Uh, but isn't it true? I, I found what was really true is that, and I'm just giving some insight here into how I read you into the book, is I find it so true that often we do things even to this day, here you are managing managers because I, I think on some level we, our moms or our parents influenced us in, a, in, a, in almost in a negative way to find out why, why you didn't like that. And so here you are now doing the very thing that you're working with the people that your very mom hated. <laughs> here you are doing a million percent, a million percent. And, and, you know, thank God for my parents because although I mean, my parents did not, again, because they, they had very little education and they had four kids and they really just got to kind of take whatever comes their way. They were always being manipulated in one sense or another by somebody who had more power and control over them. And it really gave me, as their child, a really deep sense of how important it is to see the impact you're making on your employees. Don't make a decision ever in business or in management without giving the full thought of how it's going to impact your employees. And I don't mean individual employees. I mean, your employees as a whole. I mean, there are times we have to make tough decisions where we have to let somebody go. We have to reduce some hours. But as a whole, you really have to pay attention and you can do everything. You can do everything the right way and you can do everything the wrong way. And so my parents really taught me the value of, of doing, making sure, if you're put in a position of power, if you can do something, hold, there's this whole, I don't go off on a tangent, but there's, there's this guy named um, Jordan Peterson who wrote the 12 rules of life. And he has this wonderful take on 
how parents have the ability to be extremely mean to their children. And it's an offsetted position because children cannot be mean to their parents in the same sense that parents Mm -hmm. can be mean to their children. If a child does something wrong, the parent can send them to bed without dinner. They can literally withhold food, right? And you got to, that's why two parents in a household are so important so they could, they, you know, they make sure that one doesn't kill the other, right? Okay, like, <laughs> I understand we're both mad, but let's at least feed them a little, right? right Can we right, just give right. them some, let's not ground them for life. I know we said that, but not for, <laughs> like, so there's that yin and that yang. It's important as managers to know that you do have more power and more control over your man, over your employees, which is set up by design, but it's super important to not, not abuse that power. Don't be abusive in that power. Yeah. Well, what great sage words of advice. We're, we're talking with Ralph Peterson, uh, Marine. Uh, I know he says he's retired, but I, I don't know even Marines tire, retire, actually. They're just always Marines in our hearts. And he's also the management guru. I, I, I'm calling him the management whisperer because the guy is a consultant to management, managers, CEOs, absolutely, and he's also an author of a best-selling book entitled Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself, Confessions of a Management Development Coach. You can get that on Amazon. I highly suggest that you really pick up this book uh, because this book is, first of all, it's a fabulous read. It is not it is not a dry read. This is a fun read. You're going to laugh. I promise you're going to laugh. You're going to have aha moments. You're going to have oh wow moments, and it's going to make you think. And it's going to make you better as a manager, as a leader. And I don't care what that is, whether that's leading your family or leading a group of people in your church or whatever that may be, leading actually in your business or whatever your career goals may be. It's going to help you be a better leader. And he's being brought to us today, by the way, by uh, Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And uh, Inline represents profitable, privately held companies with gross annual revenues in excess over a million dollars. Inline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. You can learn more online at inline.com. That's www.enlign.com. www.enlign.com. And they're bringing us Ralph Peterson and his absolutely outstanding book, Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself Here on a New Direction. Ralph, I want to talk, to, I think it was, I think the chapter, chapter is called Managing Love, because this, this, I mm. think this is the one where there was, you, you're eating a chip with some spinach dip, I think it is, and <laughs> I, I mean, it, can you tell I read this book? <laughs> I mean, I, I, right, and you're talking to a young lady. She doesn't like her job, but she's staying because she really loves her manager. Well, you got the chapter titles a little wrong. Okay. So manage love is a, a lesson about how it's um, it's difficult to manage love. Okay. Uh, sometimes managing love is really about as a manager, I try to manage every situation I walk into. Okay. And um, here's the thing: it's very hard to write up your girlfriend. Don't don't write up your girlfriend. Anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that chapter. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that story. Now that you say that, I remember. Yes, you can't because you can't manage. Stop managing the things that you shouldn't be managing. Just get out. Okay, got it. All right, go ahead. That's right. So the other, the other with the chip is called Yes Please. Yes, and please. it's about yeah. it's 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 the most. It's one of those things that you never hear as a management development coach. You know, I'm always asking about people and who they work for and if they like them, if they not like them. Right. 
And I meet this lady and she says that she has the worst job in the entire world. She absolutely hates it, can't stand it. And I was like, oh my, that's, what are you going to do? Why, why do you still work there? And she said, well, the manager is the best. And we normally hear the opposite. Right. We normally hear it was the greatest job, but my manager sucked. And so I wasn't, you know, if the manager was, if it wasn't for the terrible manager, I would leave because I love the job. This is this lady staying because she loves the manager, but hates the job. Right. And it really shows how impactful being a good manager can have, even when you work in a crappy industry. Right. And I grew up working in housekeeping. I know all about crappy industry. <laughs> right. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh -huh. Literally and figuratively. And her whole thing is her, the manager that she has is very, she's knowledgeable. She's done every job. And we all listen on Gilligan's Island. The skipper should have been the one everybody goes to who is, who is in charge, but nobody goes to the skipper. They all go to the, to the professor. Why? Because the professor knows everything because he has all the skill set. He can build a telephone out of a coconut, right? <laughs> he, can do, he can do the amazing things. So having job experience is super important in leadership. The second thing is that she's super polite and she's fair and she's firm and she lets everybody know what the expectations are and she smiles. She says, yes, please. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And, and doesn't that say something about our management style? I, I, you know, you could I could pull several chapters about, you know, I'm not here to make friends, right? As the opposite of of that, maybe opposing that a little bit because so often we get into this. I don't. I'm not here to make friends, or you know, yes, please. I don't have to, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't need to say please to you as a manager or to my to my staff. I don't need to do that. I don't need to be nice. I just need to be direct. But there's something to be said that when you have a really great manager, they can be firm and fair as long as the expectations are made up front and that they're extraordinarily knowledgeable. And the, the, the fairness factor is the great, that's the great equalizer. It, and it has to be both real fairness and perceived fairness because you could be really fair but perceived unfair and it's not going to work. So fairness across the board, the number one thing. For managers, I, people, did you hear this? I mean, did you hear this? Fairness, and and I know I'm going to get some pushback on this. Go well, life isn't fair. Well, I understand, but we're talking about managing people. If you want to manage people and manage them well, then you've got to be. There has to be this level of fairness, both perceptual and real. And and it's really, it's very, very, very true because when you start playing favorites as a manager, and I'm not saying that there aren't better employees than others, but if you start playing favorites too much. That can kill you, right? But maybe not, Ralph. <laughs> it's a big chess game. It's a big chess game. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts. Not everybody goes in the same direction. Not everybody is motivated by the same things. Right. Yeah, and and I I just I found that true too. And and even in I think it's pretty much I think it's the chapter before. It's called uh, when eighty equals a hundred. <laughs> uh, which I is so true. Listen, I get it. There's no such thing as perfection. I, I totally get that there's no such thing as that. And so people are reluctant to give people perfect scores. But the truth of the matter is, as you say, you know what? You dangle a carrot in front of the the, the donkey, and if the donkey accomplishes the task, he doesn't eat part of the carrot. He eats the whole carrot, Right.
I mean, it's one hundred percent of the reward. That's right. They get one hundred percent of the reward. So you know, when we put this high level of expectation on people believing that as long as they can never reach it, they'll keep going. I found that so disgusting because it never works as a manager. You can't, you can't keep dangling a never achievable carrot and expect people. Matter of fact, when you do that, we have a term for it in psychology called learned helplessness that I can never, I'll never achieve it. And so I become helpless. And so why try? That's eventually what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, and it's... I can see it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what happens. And when I read that chapter, I was like, man, wow, did he really hit it. Ralph, we've been on an hour. I know, we haven't even answered the four questions on where I'm at, on my <laughs> health and my mental, emotional, spiritual. I mean, I took notes. Did you take notes? All right, do you, do you want to share? Do you want to share where you're at? Okay, physically, where are you at, Ralph? Uh, I'd say a seven. Oh. I'd say a seven. Okay, why are you a seven? Well, because I need to get faster. So I'm, you know, I'm training for, I'm actually, it's a little weird because I'm training for a double marathon Okay. and uh, I just ran my 51st marathon. Good for you. I just ran my first full Ironman. So I'm, I'm a solid seven. Good for I'm you. In pretty decent shape. That's great. But uh, I'd like to get, I'd like to get my marathon time down a little bit. I'd like to shave a good 30 minutes from it. So I'd like to get faster and, you know, God knows I could, I could stand to, uh, lose a few more pounds okay. although i'm down 150 so i'm not terrible yeah well yeah, but I would yeah, like yeah hold on here let's 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 just fill people yeah. in. okay so what people don't know is that ralph also was uh was extraordinarily overweight he was 350 pounds or is that was that right 350 yeah we we used the word obese okay well we'll just say you were super overweight <laughs> <laughs> he was he was not managing his health well about that. He wasn't no, managing. no, I wasn't. No, and I so wasn't. He was like, three, and you know what? I never looked at it like a, it was my job, and that was really what transferred everything for me. As I was, when I decided to, when I finally got, in, you know, and it was only five short years ago that I weighed three hundred and fifty pounds. That I started to look like it was look at it like it was my job. I was like, I train managers for a living. What if I? What if it was my job to lose weight? Well, how would I measure my success? How would I set up for, for success? What would I have to avoid? What time would I have to wake up? What would I eat? Where would I go? Who would I hang out with? All the things that you do in management, I just did to myself. Lost 150 pounds. Managed it. It was a job. Yeah, managed it. Yeah, and yeah. it has to be. But I keep telling people diets don't work because you know what you do on a diet? What a diet tells you is that when you start a diet, you're going to get off of it. But it, once it becomes a lifestyle that it becomes a permanent part of your lifestyle, then that's when change happens permanently. Yeah, absolutely. And I, full disclosure, I do use Weight Watchers. So I still do Weight Watchers. Uh, I think, you know, having some kind of a plan works for me. Weight Watchers has been that plan that's been successful. But that was my first number one best-selling book was Adventures in Dietland, which uh, came out last year. How to win at the game of dieting from a former fat guy. That was my first number one book. That was really fun. So awesome. anyway, so number so, number two, well, the on. health. Hold on, hold on, hold on here. So that was health. Well, hold oh on. yeah, I'm sorry. Hold, hold on here before we get move on to that. I just want to say, uh, if anybody from Weight Watchers is listening to the show, 
we are always looking for more sponsors. So if you would like of to, course. if the Weight Watchers folks <laughs> would like to be a part of the sponsorship of the show, all you have to do is you can find, it's very easy, just find a new direction with Jay Izzo or contact me, Jay, at jayizzo.com, and we'll be happy to negotiate some terms for you. Okay, so where are you at? <laughs> Sorry, Ralph, I had to do that. And I will say this, without the sponsorship, if you are, if you are like me, you're a guy, you're 350 pounds, and you hate it, Weight Watchers has a wonderful app. You don't have to go to a meeting. You can do it all by yourself you. without going into This is what I didn't want to do is go to a meeting. So I did it all on the app. It made it real super simple for me. There you go. Use it even if you can't get a sponsorship. Number two. What mentally, was number mentally, two? Oh, mentally, mentally, mentally. Where are you at mentally? I'd say an eight. Okay, why? I'd say an eight. Well, I, spe- I read and write every morning. Good for you, of course. Every morning. And I'm reading an encyclopedia right now. So I read, read with no, well, I'll take a note. So I, uh, I'm, wow. <laughs> I might be a little bit of a nerd, but I'm reading the, the, the great books. There's a encyclopedia oh. came out with a, a, a series called the gateway to the great books. Cool. And I have the version from 1963. My oh, friend, no way. Carrie Winger, uh, bought me the set because her mom has the set. And I went to her mom's for Christmas one year, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this set of encyclopedias. And so my friend Carrie found me a set, and she bought it for me. So it's the best. And, you know, I'm reading Voltaire. And Good for you. <laughs> so wonderful. Good for you. That's awesome. That's Okay, that'll, I, that'll enhance both sides okay. of your brain. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Yeah. So mentally I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good and I'm a writer. And so I'm very creative. I'm constantly writing scenes and ideas. And one of the greatest parts about being a writer is it's not messy. I have a friend who's a painter and she has to pull everything out. She has to clean up. I just click save and close. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's fantastic. Okay. Emotionally, where are you at scale one to 10 emotionally? I'd say a seven. Oh, good. I'd say a seven. I think I'm doing really great emotionally. Okay. Really, really great. Yeah, I'm. I'm really great. I'm. I'm. I feel good. I got a good relationship with my friends. I got a wonderful girl. I got a wonderful kid. I got my mom's healthy. I just had breakfast and with her. I'm. I'm good. Yeah, it's emotionally good. I mean, you feel like you feel like you have control over your emotions. You feel like you're that the little things aren't getting to you and that you're able to separate yourself out and that you can distance yourself away from things that are making things difficult for you pretty easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of do that for a living, right. but the reason I wouldn't give myself anything higher than a seven right. is because when I'm alone in my car, I do complain. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do throw tantrums sure. when I'm by myself, you know, I'll sure. get through a difficult situation with someone and then I'll get in my car and I'll be like, son of a good, what the heck you love? You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, who doesn't? Take some who, who, off yeah, who, you know, who doesn't do that? By the way, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't have those moments where you're ready to punch the mirror? Um, okay, yeah. so finally, spiritually, on a scale of one to ten, where are you at spiritually? I, I, I'd say a nine. I, I'd give myself a nine on spiritual. I'm really great. That's the highest one I have is a spiritual, and it's a, it's a. a I would say it's three things. One, I. I'm very confident in my beliefs and how I feel and, and okay. think about God. And I, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And I'm sure. really happy and comfortable there. Number two, I run about 60 miles a week. 
And when you run 60 miles a week, that road therapy, that's really good for your soul, right? Mm-hmm. Just getting out there one foot after the other. I mean, you come back a different person every time. And, and the, the third and final thing is it's Christmas. I mean, it's the greatest holiday in right. the world. Right. I love it. It makes my heart sing. I just love this time of the year. I love the holidays. I love the gift giving. I love seeing all the kids at the mall right. and the decorations and can't get enough of this holiday. That's awesome. Okay. So you're seven, eight, eight, nine. So here's, you folks, got it. Yeah. So here's what I tell people. No, right? seven, seven, eight, seven, nine, seven, eight, seven, nine. Okay, so here's what I tell yeah. here's what I tell people, and folks, you've heard me say this before. Think of the four areas of your life are like the four legs of a table, and think of the number as the height of the table. So if your table is even, right, it it's easier to keep the plate on the table. If you have one area that's way low and the other areas are pretty high, well, then it's hard to keep the plate on because it'll slide off. If the table is all the same it's really but really low that means you have a low table to the ground so if you're sitting in a normal chair like you normally would you're having to try to bend over to eat and so (laughs) right which is really difficult to do so you want your table to be at your perfect height which is why we call it the 10 area so the closer you get to the four legs of that table getting to that 10 what you have is you have a level table that is easier to eat from and so that's why I say to people you know, I don't, I, it's not about, I can't, I can't get the table all up all at once, but we could do little pieces at a time to keep raising that table little by little, week by week. And so, I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty level table, first of all. And then secondly, it sounds like the table's pretty close to the right height. So, I mean, that's awesome. That's exactly what, you know, we're looking for when we're talking about these four areas of your life and doing that. So good for you. I, good, and I hope that inspires folks. I hope that you heard. I love that. You're the, actually the first guest that I've had in all the shows that I've done this that has actually given me their numbers. That is very cool. Oh. You're the very first guest well. to do that. So I, I appreciate you appreciate you doing that. And and by the way, we've been talking now for an hour and 10 minutes too. Uh, author, Marine, <laughs> uh, management guru, expert speaker, uh, author, Ralph Peterson, his book, Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself, Confessions of a Management Development Coach. And he just gave us he just gave us his four areas of his life and where he's at. And, I, and it was very cool. Folks, I'm going to tell you about this book. First of all, uh, we didn't cover nearly the 27 chapters in this book. But I want to just please reiterate to you, you need to go Amazon, pick up the book. And if you don't want to pick it up from Amazon, why don't you contact direct Ralph directly at ralphpeterson.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Dot com, ralphpeterson.com and I'm telling you just get the book he will sign it he will send it and he will get it to you he's happy to do that why don't you order several it's Christmas what what a great time to give a gift to somebody if you've kind of wondered well what do I give somebody they know well this book is a perfect gift first of all it's gonna make the, the book is a great read it's gonna make you laugh it's gonna make you think but it's gonna be also life-changing I believe for people who are who who will read this book uh, I'm going to read it again. I have read it. Uh, I've read parts of this book multiple times. It's it's one that stays it stays on my Kindle. It's going to be one that stays on my shelf that I can use as a reference time and time and time again to remind myself of how to better handle people. And so I, I really encourage you, Ralph. One of the things I do ask my guests at the end of every show is I ask them if you could give a new direction to my audience um, who graciously listens to the show week after week and and binges my show uh, downloads the show later 
If you could give a new direction, summarize and give a new direction to people who are listening to the show, what would that new direction be from Ralph Peterson? You know, one of the things after I do, I do a bunch of workshops and retreats, and I do retreats with management teams, and a lot of times there's brand new managers in there, and I always like to leave everybody with one thing, and it's one little gift that I like to give everyone, and it's the gift of responsibility. One of the greatest things about being in charge is that you become responsible. And when you become responsible, you become your true self. All your everything, all your strengths, all your weaknesses, all your flaws, all your all the things that are super great about you become transparent to the whole world when you are responsible, when you are put on the hook, when you are in charge. It is embrace that responsibility. It is the greatest gift I can give you is to let you know that you now have control of everyone underneath you's life. You can make them better. You can by making people's lives better, you're gonna make your life better. Gift of responsibility is the gift that truly keeps on giving. That's awesome. Folks, Ralph, stay with me, please. Folks, you know what? I couldn't say it better. What a great summary. You're going to have to listen to the show again and again because I'm telling you, Ralph provided us with so many great tips and advice on how to better manage people, how to better manage yourself. And so, folks, they were so inspiring. And so as I close the show today, folks, I say the same thing to you every time, and that is be inspired. Because when you're inspired, you can inspire someone else. And when you inspire someone else, that means they can inspire someone as well. And that can make the world just a tremendously great place. I will see you next week. Ciao, everybody. Your dreams will take you places you